Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Um, Heads and Tails uh, has basically been this journey through through what it means for our faith to be formed in contrast. We've looked at these seemingly polar ideas, but actually looked at how they sort of interweave and work together uh, to to help us grow in our relationship with God in the way that we live out our lives as disciples. And so it's been quite a cool journey we've done. We've sort of focused on one area in the morning, one area at night, and then every week we've basically got the two different speakers to to get together for a podcast. uh, and basically talk about these things. So hopefully, well, because we've put a lot of work in, I hope some of you guys have been listening to those podcasts because they have actually turned out even better than what I thought they would. Um, <clears throat> but it's been a really, it's been a really fun thing to do. So this, this really is we're winding down. Vic this morning uh, spoke on this whole idea of the personal. Uh, what does this say? What does this? What does it mean to uh, personally pursue and to know that we have this very personal, this deeply intimate uh, connection with God? And what does that do for our faith? And tonight we're moving towards this whole thing of the communal. What does it mean to do faith in community? And what is it exactly that community contributes to the formation of our faith? Uh, one of my favorite uh, authors and pastors at the moment is a guy called John Mark Comer. He pastors a church called Bridgetown uh, in Portland, USA. Um, and he says this about community. Community plays a vital role in our transformation, but there is a gap between the idea of community and the messy reality of community. Discipleship happens in the space in between. I uh, recently have become quite aware that uh, I'm no longer just like the new or young pastor on the block or like the inexperienced kind of guy. I've actually, I've actually racked up a, a little bit of mileage now. You know, in fact, nearly a decade I've worked in church leadership now, which is pretty incredible uh, and pretty humbling. And I'll tell you what, I've got to be a part of some some absolutely amazing stuff uh, over the last 10 years. I've got to... Uh, I've got to do life with people that I deeply love and, and people that I, that I believe in. And, and those people, I've gone on to see them flourish in their relationship with God. Um, I've got to celebrate with dear friends as they, as they got engaged and as they got married uh, and as they had children and, and as they bought homes and as they sort of did all of that, uh, looking for and asking what it meant to do that with God in the very center. Um, I've got to see uh, people that I love graduate from university and sort of become invigorated as they, as during the course of their study, they, they don't just connect with this thing of like, oh, when I get to finish this degree, I'll sort of get a nice job and then I'll get a nice paycheck. But actually that I've got to see people discover God in the midst of their study, that they leave university and go into the new thing with a sense of vocation 
that like that there's some sense of God, there's some sense of purpose and meaning. Uh, I've, I've sort of discovered my identity. I've got to, to do that with people and to see that with people. I've, I've, I've stood, uh, even in this room in the last three years, but, but in, in all different rooms all over the North Shore, I've stood, or, or all over the country even, I've stood in rooms with people that I care about and do life with and have stood with them and prayed with them and seen them just gently and powerfully encounter God, maybe for the first time in years. My goodness, what an incredible thing to be a part of. I've seen people have these aha moments over coffee as we sort of gather and we're talking about the scriptures and it's like we have this conversation and it's like, oh my goodness, I never, I've read that, that piece of scripture a hundred times, but I've never, I've never seen it like that. And I've seen God like almost in front of me just become bigger for people. The God that they thought they knew was just so different to the God that actually loved them and knew them. And it was like, things just become bigger all over again. I've seen learning, I've seen growing, and I've seen all kinds of sharing take place. And I have sat countless times with people that I love and people I do community with, and I have had good food, and I have had good drink, and I have celebrated life with them. And that's community. And this whole time over these 10 years, there's been so many moments where I've been completely completely taken with the idea of community. I've, I've read the little little pieces of scripture that talk about community. I mean, you know, it would be so cliche of me to get up here and just, and just roll out Acts 2, 42 to 47 and go, look at this picture of community in the early church. Because I've done that. Because whenever I read that uh, piece of scripture, I get a little bit emotional because it speaks to the, the capacity and the opportunity and the potential for community. I've been totally captivated by the ideal of, of what community could become. But I've also, been, I've also been left really burnt. I've been disappointed. I've been let down by people. Um, I've, been, <laughs> I've had my, my picture of what community could be destroyed. I've seen people that I thought uh, I, thought I was going to be doing community with forever just, just very casually move on to the next thing. Or sometimes not so casu- casually, sometimes quite maliciously, sometimes quite rebelliously. Is that a word? I don't know. <clears throat> Um, I've seen people, close friends, get separated. I've seen friends lose lose babies. Um, I've seen people having uh, incredible financial struggles. I've I've journeyed through this with people over the last ten years. Things that maybe a pastor who was like twenty two, or twenty four, or twenty six, or whatever, like just should never have had to deal with. But it's like I was there. I was with them, and it was like. Man, this is so painful. This is so uncomfortable. And then these people just sort of drift away and they break away. And it's like, man, just sort of community feels like this sort of fractured, broken, abstract concept that's, that's hard to grasp and hard to live in and be present to. In fact, sometimes community has felt just too painful to even be a thing worth pursuing. I'm talking about like Christian community. And this happens for people. Sometimes church just becomes this thing that just goes into the too hard basket. Christian community, just in the too hard basket, too painful, um, yeah, too difficult for me to be a part of and to contribute to. But here's the simple truth. Community is messy. In a way, it's going to be uncomfortable if you're doing life with people because the people you're with, they are broken. 
They've got things going on. We are so imperfect. This is what happens. Community is messy, and sometimes it will feel too painful. But we need it because it is crucial to our formation in Christ. Community is critical to how we grow as disciples. And if we are to grow and to, and, and to mature into Christ-likeness, we need people around us. I want to show you just a little diagram real quick. This is how I've sort of thought about community is on one side, I've seen the potential of it. I've, I've dreamt about it. I've imagined in my mind, I've thought about what this could look like on Sunday nights. And you know, there are some nights where sometimes it feels like actually the reality of the arrow is going the complete other way. But for the most part, for the most part, there's this sense of like, you know, when we have these moments, when we, when we gather around to do communion, when I, when I sit in a wedding, or even when I sit with someone uh, who's going through a divorce or, or, you know, something really painful, and we're just able to sit there and just, and just have a little moment of peace, it feels like there's this reality and this movement towards this thing. And what we eventually get is we kind of get this like next sort of picture. It's not like we ever fully realize that potential, but we do discover community in the midst of this. There is a, a bit of a dissonance right? A little bit of a disparity between the reality and the potential of community. But as we just sort of pursue it together, if we're looking for Jesus and if we're making an attempt to keep Jesus in the midst of this thing that we're doing, it's like suddenly we discover what, what community could be for us. So it's not something we ever fully realize, but it is something that we move towards and we grow in and we discover something of ourselves. And so in that community, in that little black arrow that's pushing through into potential, that is where discipleship happens. That is where our formation happens. That is where we grow closer towards the thing that God is inviting us towards for ourselves. Community is critical to who we are. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's fractured sometimes. But it's where we grow towards the things that God has in store for us. And so as I look at that and as I've sort of considered this thing this week, what, what would it look like for us to live in that, in that sort of black triangle, in that what I've termed the messy middle? What are some things that happen for us? Happen for us? Because ultimately like this series has been about our own personal faith formation. So it's kind of strange to talk about this very collective thing. But what does community do for us as individuals? And I want to propose two things, and I think that they're two things that, that we should actually take quite seriously this evening as we consider this. But I think community does two things. It's, 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 it, it exposes some stuff, and it encourages some stuff, right? Exposes and encourages. Here's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about exposure. <clears throat> uh, exposure is, is basically that in the midst of community, the, the things that are going on in the depths of ourselves come to the surface. It's actually pretty easy when you're by yourself to hide from yourself, to avoid the things that are going on. But when you're in the midst of community, when you're doing life with people, there, there are things that can't help but come to the surface. And it becomes very obvious because when people love you, they know you, and then they feel like they can speak to the things that probably need to change a little bit. And so our stuff doesn't come out unless we are in community. I want to give you a little example of this, okay? Um, <clears throat> Georgia and I, we're very much like sort of foodie type people. We, we enjoy going out and we, love, and we love spending time with our friends. And so we love eating together. 
But I noticed that, that quite often in the first few years, like we'd be sitting around a table and I'd be leaning. And I'm like, I like to think of myself as like a very engaged person, right? So if I'm like, I don't really believe in that whole like, don't put your elbows on the table thing. You know, like it's like when I'm talking with someone across the table, it's like I want to, you know, kind of be there. So I'm leaning on the table. And what would happen so often is that Georgia would just sort of like very gently put her, her hand on my shoulder and push me back. You know? And this happened like me. First of all, I was blocking her view, right? Because I'm six foot three and she's five foot three. And I get in the way. Right? And so she would just very gently push me out the way. You're blocking my view. You're excluding me from, from the conversation. And then here's the other thing that would happen, okay? I'm a bit of a know-it-all. Right? And so there are these conversations that happen, and I just kind of, and you know, I kind of jump in there. So I'll be in America with friends, and I'll be telling them things about their own political system, of which I don't live in. You know, like speaking to that. Because I read and, you know, I suddenly think I'm just an expert on these things. Or, you know, people will be having a conversation around something in the scriptures and I'll sort of pipe in and be like, no, I don't, I don't think that's quite right. And so I have the sense of being a bit of like an insufferable know-it-all, right? And so, you know, this, this kind of all came to a head. Actually, recently in the few months, Georgia was with some, you know, some friends of, you know, some friends of ours, but, but they were there to hang out with her and I wasn't particularly welcome. Um, <clears throat> but they were all hanging out. And uh, there was a conversation going on, and I was asked a question, and then, and then I spoke for 25 minutes. <clears throat> just, a, just a man speaking to feminism in a way that only a man can, you know, like, with expertise, right? <clears throat> and so, um, and then I was, you know, not, and then I was, like, dismissed from the room. And it was like this... So it's like I have this thing where I need to be heard and it's like, you know, maybe it's an insecurity, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an arrogance. But there are these things inside of me that I need to be aware of and probably if I was just by myself all the time, I'd be totally okay with the fact that I knew everything, right? But I need... I need my wife to point things out for me. I need my friends to point things out for me. I need the people that I love to remind me to, to just create space. Because I value creating space. So much of my job is about creating and facilitating space for people to have conversations, to share what's going on in their heart. And if I'm not careful, I can actually turn off the ears of my heart and just start speaking just straight out of my mouth. And it's like suddenly there's... I'm missing an opportunity to, to listen for what God might be doing or to actually hear what someone's truly saying. So these are things that I need to be aware of and things that I wouldn't discover about myself if not for community. Community exposes these things. It brings our hurt to the surface. It brings the things that are going on. Um, uh, Freud, who is a uh, sort of a, a philosopher and a psychoanalyst, uh, he said this. Um, he goes, you fix your broken part in relationship, right? You fix your broken part in relationship. So that anything that's kind of going on for you, that thing is fixed, not by you just sort of locking yourself in a room, but in relationship, in doing life with people. John Mark Comer, that author I mentioned at the beginning, he says a similar thing. The only way to get healing from our relational wounds is through relationship. 
It's almost like, it's almost like a bit of a paradox. But it's like, even if we've been hurt by other people, even if we've been hurt in the midst of community, isolation is not the solution to that problem. It's actually immersion. It's actually making ourselves available. It's actually, you know, giving other people around us permission to hurt us again. That's, that's what community does. It's saying, I, I, I'm trusting you with this. I'm trusting you with myself. I'm trusting you with the things that are going on. And it's like, and, and in trusting you, I actually give you the capacity to hurt me, but I trust that you won't. And it's only in stepping into those relationships that we actually allow and give space for our relational wounds to heal, for the broken part of ourselves to be healed. This is important for us. Uh, James 5, 16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there is this whole thing of sharing, sharing what's troubling us, sharing what's weighing us down, sharing what's getting in the way between us and God or between us and, and moving towards the things that God has in store for us. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Galatians 6, 1-2 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, uh, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's not just about what's coming up for you personally, but also there's this invitation in community to earnestly be aware and look out for the best interests of those around you to journey with you, to actually say to people that you love and believe in, hey, is this like the healthiest thing for you? And to actually try and foster an environment where, where people can receive that or where, where we can receive that when someone speaks to that in us. Like those things are uncomfortable. They're unmessy. They're not nice to hear. That's why our inclination is to hide, to isolate, or even to like justify in our minds exclusion from that. But actually the healing, the restoration and the redemption comes through stepping into community. So why is community important for our, our, our faith formation? Because it exposes things that need to be brought to the surface, need to be dealt with, that we need to grow through um, and learn from. And so the second thing is this. So not only does community expose some stuff, but it's also about encouraging. It's like this sort of gentle push out, or maybe not so gentle sometimes. You need to do this because you're meant to. You know? There's this encouragement that takes place in the midst of community. Um, uh, there's two writers, uh, two guys who wrote a book called Slow Church say this, spiritual formation, this is Christopher Smith and John Pattinson, spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. Spiritual formation occurs primarily within the context of community. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. People who stay grow. People who leave do not grow. It is a simple but profound biblical reality that we both grow and thrive together or we do not grow much at all. That's quite like a confronting little quote there, isn't it? But there's incredible truth in that. You know the word crucible, which I'm not sure like all of you guys will know or think about, but, but you know, I was just trying to like understand it because when I think of crucible, I just think of like the crucible of war. That war is like this sort of severe situation that changes people. 
But as I was sort of looking up the definitions, you know, there's this other definition for crucible, and it's it's the vessel uh, which which precious metals are melted in. Who knew that? Not that many hands. So. So anyway, so it's this vessel that things are mounted in. So this is how it's defined uh, in the dictionary. It's a ceramic or metal container in which metals or other substances may be melted or subjected to very high temperatures. <coughs> so here's this. Here, how's this? Like, here's what I've been thinking about. Without a crucible, metals remain raw and undefined. Okay? Still valuable. Let's not miss that. A chunk of gold is still valuable. Every single person is valuable. But ultimately, lacking purpose. In a crucible, metal is heated so it can be shaped into anything, right? Maybe it's a ring or a necklace. Maybe it's a sword. Maybe it's a panel for the outside of a car. Maybe it's a structural beam to hold up a building. Doesn't matter what it is. All of those things have a purpose. They fit into society in some way. They, they contribute to something in some way. That's what the crucible is for. It needs to melt things down to refine it so that the creator can get his mitts on that stuff. Well protected, of course, right? Get his mitts on that stuff and shape it into the thing that it needs to be. What happens in community? What is community? Community is the crucible that allows people to move towards their potential, to discover something of their purpose, because people are sort of pushing up against it. It gets hot. It gets uncomfortable. I don't imagine it would be very nice being inside a crucible. Didn't Terminator fall into one of those in one of the Terminator movies, right? It's like, it's not great. Yeah, not so much fall, eh? Change in a crucible. It's very intense. It's very uncomfortable. It doesn't come out looking the same. But it comes out and it can be molded and shaped and sometimes even reinforced and strengthened or combined with other metals. This is a powerful analogy, I think, for what community is, for the way that it encourages us. This is what community moves us towards. This is what community provides. It is the melting pot, the melting pot in which the Creator can truly get His mitts on us and begin to shape us into the very thing we were called to be. This happens within the crucible of community, and it happens through encouragement. It happens through the people around us who love us and know us get to speak to things. Man, I've had, I've had, I've had um, people that I know or dear friends of mine who have, uh, who have shared words or have said things to me that define and shape still how I live my life now. And sometimes I forget about those things and then I'll be talking to someone and I'll be like, oh yeah, my friend Dan Sheed, he had this word for me like eight years ago and it still informs how I live my life today. It's like he spoke something to me and in that moment it like kind of called out who I was supposed to be. And so when I get moody and I like get over pastoral ministry and over church, it's like, oh no, but there's this thing that's been spoken over me. You know, it's not just that one word, it's multiple words. It's, it's, it's not just other pastors, it's people in this room. It's people who say things just off the cuff. It's little moments of encouragement that keep... Keep encouraging me, keep pushing me, 
keep uh, freeing me and liberating me to, to think creatively and to wrestle with things in a new way. This is what community does. It's the crucible that is around us that allows us to encourage one another and to grow towards what we were meant to be. I think that that is a deeply powerful thought. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider. Let's, you know, let's intentionally look for ways to encourage one another. That, then, that's something I can get, I can get behind. I can, I can grab a hold of that. I want to be intentional. I want to be looking for the things. I want to be sort of um, opening up the ear of my heart to like what God might be saying. You know, what's a word for Briar? You know, what's a word for Jackson? Like, what, what's kind of going on? How can I speak well of this, these people, both to their face and and behind their back? so that they would be encouraged and know that they are encouraged to move towards that which they're supposed to. This is what I think community does for us. Community moves us intentionally toward relationship with Christ. It moves us intentionally towards God. In fact, I would say that community itself, Christian community, all about intentional relationships that are built around the way of Jesus. Like discipleship can't help but happen in the midst of genuine community. When there's an exposure and when there's, when there's an encouragement and a whole host of other things. Discipleship can't help but happen. There are relationships that are built around the way of Jesus. And I think if you take this seriously, if we take this seriously, if we want to grow and mature into Christ's likeness, then I think that there's only one thing left to say, and that's this, is that community is non-optional. This isn't really a thing that we get to opt out of. Yeah, you can exclude yourself, and yeah, you can read your Bible and say that you're reading your word for today or whatever. Those are fine, those are fine and good and, and life-giving things to do. But if we really want to mature and grow into this, community is it, it's a non-optional thing. It's like, it's like this thing is a must. It is a, it is a, it's, a, it, it's an absolute cornerstone of, 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 of our for, uh, formation of faith. And so for me, I think nothing, nothing really like connects me with that story and that notion more than this idea of taking communion together because that's where like that's where communion springs from Jesus sitting with his friends these 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 uh, disciples that he'd been doing life with that they, they had asked questions they had wrestled you know you want to look for like the exposure look for when like look for when Jesus calls out Peter or accuses his disciples of like not knowing what they're talking about. You know, look for those moments. It's like exposure happens, but then also look for the encouragement. And they, here are these, these, these um, you know, guys who have been doing life together, journeying together. And then Jesus has this moment and says, you know what, I think, I think it's really important that you remember me. And I want you to remember me. And I want you to do the most normal thing for humans, eat and drink. And when you eat and drink, remember me. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. It's like communion just, just takes us deep into that story. 
And it connects us, not just with God, but it connects us with one another. This is a story we're in together and a call to be in together. It's meant to be, this meal is meant to be taken together. It's meant to be experienced together. We're meant to grieve uh, together. We're meant to celebrate together. This is why we do something like this, uh, the sharing of joys and concerns. Those things that we're meant to experience those things together. And this is what communion connects us to. This is a meal that is supposed to be shared with one another. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.